Welcome to Life's a Beach. I'm Bruce Hopkins, better known as Hoppo, Bondi Rescue. Each week I'll be sharing some stories, the good, the bad, and everything in between. I'll be chatting to guests about their life experiences and giving our listeners an insight into the challenges we have faced in our lives. We'll share a few jokes and some bad way, and hopefully our experiences will resonate with you. As the saying goes, on Life's a Beach, it can also be a beach. Welcome to another episode of Life's a Beach. I'm Hoppo. You may have heard about the amazing story of nine-year-old Jesse who saved his mother from drowning in their family pool after watching life-saving methods on Bondi Rescue. This week I hear from Jesse's father, Warren, to chat about the incident and how the family is now going. Then in Beach Banter this week, I'm going solo to take you through some water safety tips on how to survive in the water this summer Plus, we will hear from the fans in the mailbag. I'm excited for this week. Let's get into it. So today in the Beach Shack, we've got Warren Tate, and he's got an amazing story from uh, what his young uh, boy did just recently. So welcome, Warren. Hey, how are you, mate? Yeah, I'm good. And uh, just so uh, the listeners get an understanding on, on this story, which you know I'm quite proud of, and obviously you're very, very proud of, of what your son Jesse did. But just give us a rundown. So you're out in the backyard pool as you do hundreds and hundreds of times and, and what happened from there? And that's it. So it was just, just your normal, typical night. I'd been at work, come home for the day and Sarah, my missus, she'd done some work around in the backyard. And um, hot day, got the swim pool put in there. That's what we're using it for. And she didn't really want to go for a swim then because it was too hot, a bit of difference between the pool and the, the outside temperature. So just had some dinner and stuff, normal day. And about 7 o'clock, we decided that the temperature, you know, outside was a good time to go swimming. It was a nice night. Um, so I was sitting on the edge of the pool and Jesse, my son, he was already in the pool. Um, my daughter, Haley, she was on the outside like 100 times before. Sarah just took her T-shirt off, got down into her bathers, took her sunglasses off and uh, dived into the swimming pool. And um, yeah, she didn't. She didn't come back up. She was floating there on her on her belly on the top of the water, and I just thought she might, was having a bit of a joke with the kids. And um, my daughter Haley, she started screaming, and then Jesse swam over to Sarah. What happened in the middle there is a bit of a blur to me, but I've been told what happened since then. So um, Jesse swam over. He rolled her over onto her back because she was face down, and he pushed her in in the belly and water came out and then Haley was still screaming and he brought her over to me and she said that she couldn't feel her legs. You know, at this point I still thought she was joking a little bit and she says, no, I think we really need to call someone. So we called the ambulance and they got a spinal board out and I helped her help the paramedics and stuff get her out of the swimming pool and they flew her down to Melbourne. They gave her an X-ray and it turns out that she'd broken two vertebrae in her neck, a bit of pressure on the spinal cord. So the immediate diagnosis was they thought she was going to be uh, quadriplegic, but that's turned around a little bit at the moment and that's ultimately how I ended up on your show. We'd asked Jesse how he knew what to do. Like, mate, how do you know to roll her over and get the water out? And he's like, oh, I watch Bondi Rescue. And I'm like, mate, I've got to get you in touch with these lifeguards up there. Like, you need to have a chat with them, tell them what you did. I contacted Channel 10. 
their people talked to me and I ended up speaking to you and um, you, you got to come down and have a meeting with my little man and, mate, he's still talking about it. So he's proud as punch there that he got to meet a real-life Bondi lifeguard. So, <laughs> Oh, it's great to come down and, uh, you know, Women's Day are going to do a really good story on it, which uh, is good. And it's it's great to hear these stories because – this is what, what why we do Bondi Rescue. It's something that, you know, it's in over 120-plus countries around the world and you hear these stories all the time. And if we can give water safety messages and, and young kids are picking up on how to do it without any training, that's, uh, that's something that makes me very, very proud of. But also, how did you feel? Like your son doing something like that, and, and at his age, and I've met him now when I came down, I don't think he really understands what he has done for his mother and you know can you explain yeah, a bit about that that's exactly right they comment like and it, and it might be in years to come that he actually understands the gravity of it because he, he is only nine so like, he, he's a pretty clued on kid he knows what he's going on about but then the words that adults use his cpr he, he he doesn't know any of that he hasn't had any of that training he just watches you guys do what you do and i've had him in a pool since you know, he might have been a month old. Like you're talking about pool safety and stuff like that. We like go camping, we go up the river, we got a pool in the backyard or his friends have got pools. So I've never had my kids in a in a set of floaties in their life because I felt that, you know, that, w- that was my responsibility. Like, you know, God help that the worst happens to anyone in their day. But I don't feel pool accidents happen under a planned scenario. So if he's running around in the backyard, he's not going to have a life jacket. My kids aren't going to have floaties. So if that bad day happens and, you know, someone was preoccupied for a second because, like, we weren't preoccupied, but my life's changed just for a second by Sarah diving in the pool. It's my responsibility to make sure that, that my kids are safe around water. So they've known how to swim. If they fall into a pool, they know what to do. They know how to float. They know to swim to the edge. They know not to panic. That was my responsibility in life, apart from all the others of having young kids. You know, that that comes fair and square onto me. Yeah, and I think it's great. That's a campaign that I've been pushing and, 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 you know, what we've been doing with Surf Educators International is teaching people to float. You know, floating is the main thing. You stay calm and you survive. So the new campaign is float to survive. And I think that if every single person does that, and as you're explaining – when someone falls into a backyard pool, whether you're 12 months old or, or three, four, five years old, you're generally going to do it with clothes on. They're going to get away from the parents and, and, and find a way through the gates or, or however they, they get in. And But if you can float, you'll come out and they'll be floating there relaxed, whereas anyone else, as soon as they fall in and haven't had that training and experience, will just go into a mass panic. Yeah, that's it. In a gut full of water, you tend to sink pretty quick. How did you feel when... You thought Sarah was just mucking around to that split second when you go, oh, shit, something is really wrong here. Did, did your heart sink? How did you feel? That, that, that's exactly right. Like it's, it's from the moments that led up to that where I don't have a memory in between that second where I saw Sarah over at the other side of the pool till she was directly under me and, you know, trauma does that too. So I've blacked out that section. But from when Jesse brought Sarah over to me that from that moment on is 150% clarity. I knew exactly what was going on there. 
you know, people have this natural sort of a, a million thoughts go through your head at that point because we talked about whether we want the deep end at, at the other end or the shallow end, but we decided to put the shallow end at that end of the pool because the kids could stand there and then I'd have eyes on them. It, it faces the barbecue. And so all these thoughts go go through my head. Oh, my God, Jesse just saved Sarah. What if it had another been of five seconds? What if the deep end? And all these circumstances just come and flood back through your brain. But you you go back to that moment. I've said it on a few occasions now. Like Jesse's natural instinct, that fight or flight, he just knew his mum needed help and proud, amazed, astonished, um, there's probably 40 different words in the dictionary that you could come to describe this exact exact same thing. But I, th- I think miraculous is, is, a, is a great word because he's never had any training. It was his natural instinct. This kid just wanted to save his mum. And whether he would have done it if there was a different kid in the back of the pool, like that's all these thoughts that come through. Like if he can do that for just the one person that he loves and care about and now he knows what to do, I mean, with only a little bit more training and proper techniques, he can ca- he could come do what what you guys do. Like we live in country Victoria, so we, we don't have access to a lot of beaches, so there's not nipper programs and stuff like that. But mate, this kid, this kid, I reckon he's destined for greatness. You know, just out of nothing more than his want to save someone that is spectacular. Yeah, and I always say that people ask me, you know, what makes good lifeguards or or good emergency service and. Really, I believe you can't be trained. And what Jesse's done is built in. And I think that's built in from birth that you can deal with these situations. You can think in a split second and do what you need to do. Whereas a lot of people will freeze. I've seen them over the years and freeze and not know or not do anything because they think they don't know how to do it. But for him to do yeah. that, I think he... he could one day make a, a very good, whether it be a lifeguard, a paramedic, fireman, policeman, whichever way it is in the emergency service, I think he's got that mentality already as a, as a nine or 10 year old. You can't train someone at that age to be able to do what he did. And, you know, just picking it up off a, a TV show, that's a, a, another extreme uh, talent that, that you can take away. Yeah. And where you, where you talk about that immediate fight or flight response and just in that split second, he made a decision. You know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. Mm. But speaking to Sarah now, she's doing her recovery down there at the rehab center. And you talk about the experience that she had. She had, she had the pain to start with. She was full of water. The pain went away. Everything went silent. And then she said that she was at peace. She knew she was going to die. So that fight or flight, I I hundred percent believe that you know she may have passed or I would have been doing some hmm. extreme long time CPR if it had been just another five seconds. Like she's already said that she was at peace internally. She couldn't fight. She couldn't move. So you know that split second decision that he made, he really did save her life like a person would have died that day if jesse wasn't there so she had no feeling from what from neck down at that stage and and then and she thought that this is it i'm gonna die right this moment i'm gonna die yep yep she said that she she was accepting of the fact at that point before she got rolled over by jesse and story's face that her her time was done that's amazing and then what about when she got to the side of the pool and then did she tell you, look, I've, I've got no feeling 
Like, was that arms, legs? Yeah, she says, her words were that I can't move my legs. I said, well, I, I, I didn't say this, but everyone can get where what I said. I said, you're stuffing with me, aren't you? And she goes, no, nah, look, I'm, I'm not joking. I, we need to call someone. I didn't have my phone on me. So um, Haley went down and uh, she ran into the bedroom, got my phone so we could call the ambulance. And I suppose, like Sam, we, we're, we're just sitting here touching touching on that. Like Haley's six and one of those other things that we, we taught the kids, you know, you don't want them to talk to strangers, but how to recognise someone who's not a stranger, ask a couple of questions. But the kids know our home address and our phone number. And we'd started teaching them Haley, uh, Sarah's phone number. So uh, I'm quite confident in both my kids that if, if I was in the middle of doing something, they would have been able to make that phone call for me. They know where they live. They know mum's age. They know my age. And, and that comes down to it too, because if I was in the middle of CPR trying to save Sarah's life as well, who, who's going to be telling the people who are actually going to come and save her that, like where you are. That's a very important point. And, and I think everyone listening, you know, whether you're a parent and you've got kids, I believe that everybody should learn CPR because you never know when an incident's going to happen like it has happened to you. And also learn the flooding technique. If you've got a pool, a backyard pool, everyone in that family should know how to float and be able to survive in that environment. And it's very, very important that we all get this skill. Mm. And then, you know, another thing, like we always get taught not to leave your kids unattended in a pool because that ends in the worst way possible. But coming from my experience, you know, if I wasn't home that night, so say a two-parent supervision, who helps out if something bad happens to the adult? Yeah. You know, we're talking about a nine- and a six-year-old swimming in a backyard and mum was the one who busted herself. So who takes care of the adults when the adults are in need? It's all like... That's right. Mate, hindsight's twenty twenty, but I got more questions coming out of my own brain than answers at this point in time about my own circumstances. Well, I suppose you're right there because if what if you weren't there, that situation could be totally different. Yeah. I don't even know where Sarah's mobile phone was at that point in time. Would Haley have gone to get it? Would Jesse have still done it? But once Jesse's in the pool, like he was helping Sarah float before I got there. How's he meant to run to the next door neighbour? Yeah. What, what, you know, like there's about a million different ways the situation could have been better and about the same amount of situations where it could have been worse. And, you know, we're only talking about one, two people supervised. You're looking at 100,000 people on Bondo with your crew of six or ten. Yeah. You, you know? Yeah, it's mind-blowing on, on what we uh, do do. But, I mean, it's it's something that we get very well trained in as well. So... And that's why, you know, this podcast and getting you on, it's, it's something to try and get out to everybody that you definitely need to be trained in CPR and definitely need to learn to float, which is a survival skill, before you start learning to be able to swim. And I think that's a, a very important mm. point. And how's Sarah going now? I mean, obviously she's in uh, rehab. Any improvement? And uh, what, what's the situation now? Yeah, look, she's she's tracking really well. So, uh, as I said, the injury happened on the 2nd of November. So I think we're about five, five, five and a bit weeks post-injury now. She couldn't do anything to start with. She was completely bedridden. And then she got the first movement she got back was in her big toe. She could wriggle that. And then it slowly sort of progressed up. So she moved the big toe, ankle, knee and hip. 
to the point that the left leg's got quite substantial movement in it now. You, it can it can bend from the knee doing like the like the drop punt, you know. Yep. So that's good. She can and she can lift her right leg a bit. They've got like this little sort of exercise bike machine. It's only just the pedals that get suction cap down to the ground, and the pedals about you know five inches long. Yeah. So they strapped her to that. It was motorized. And then they turned it off and she continued to ride for another three Ks, the machine said. So she can do that. She's got some movement back in her fingers so she can pick up smaller objects now. She's got some of those fine motor skills coming back. The a trick from yesterday, she could dig her shoulders into the bed and her heels and she could actually lift her bum a couple of mils off the mattress. So she's getting quite a fair bit of movement back, which is... Um, Probably sits on the on the luck level that will never win Tats Lotto. She's yeah. got that. Uh, talking to you the other day, like some people are lights out just from hitting a wave. Yeah, and they did nothing more than dive into the surf like they've done a hundred times before. So I do think that she'll come out on on the luckier end of the injury. Once again, so many different ways it could have been better, but she's um, making considerable improvements, and they believe that. She'll be out now towards the end of March compared to the end of May. So they've taken two months off her time frame. Well, that's great. Um, so hopefully get her back home in time for Easter. And it's great that the, the recovery's coming along well. And because as you said before, you know, she might not have even been here if it hadn't been from what Jesse did. And I'm proud of what he's done, as I've said before when we're down there. And uh, it's great that, you know, to have a child like that, you must absolutely blown away, as, as your wife would be as well. Yep. You know, and, and everyone's support just in relation to it. Like, you know, by general human nature, everyone sort of got it in them to be good. That's sort of circumstance-based. But just everyone, and it's these other things, the, the life change moment, like our house just uh, by general design, like it was just a uh, back-built house, nothing fancy. But the hallways are wide, the doorways are wide, big showers, uh, just we optioned it a little bit, but, you know, if we were in our first house when we were down in Melbourne, it, it would have been a, a selling a house or a major renovation. Like it is an absolutely life-changing experience to think, oh, well, we don't have that many steps and it's tiles rather than carpet. Like no no one plans to be in a wheelchair or, or have an injury that's so debilitating, but... um. Definitely life-changing. Oh, it definitely is. You never know. You know, life's so uh, so short and it can change dead set within seconds. So, you know, it's, it's a great to having a chat and it's great to uh, see that she is recovering and say hello mm. to Jesse because uh, he's a little champion. And uh, Yeah, mate, we'll do. We'll I know he'd like to have another chat with you, but I had to send him off to school. Yeah, all good. And we'll, uh, we'll have a, uh, you know, another uh, catch up, another chat down the track and, and we'll see how Sarah's going and, well, I might do another interview yeah. down, you know, to see uh, how she is, and and might get Jesse on for a chat. Yeah, definitely. But this this water safety stuff you're talking about, that's just absolutely spectacular. Everyone needs to pay more attention to it because, you know, it's just one of those things you take for granted. You can swim. You like being in water. Like summer's stinking hot in Australia, and accidents happen to the to the best of people. So. This is awesome getting it out there and the water safety and stuff like that. Yeah, like I always say, it's something that uh, you need to respect any waterway. So you never know when an accident can happen and it doesn't matter how good you are either. It's a, it can still happen. So, you know, it's uh, mm. 
something we, we try and get out as much as we can and, and stories like yours, it, it helps get it out there because it shows how things can happen so quick and uh, even in your own backyard pool and it's something that, uh, you know, it, yeah. this is what life's a beach about. It's, it's talking about all these different scenarios that can happen in your life. That's it. Well, thanks, uh, Warren, mate. Uh, great to have a chat and uh, we'll catch up soon. Thanks for having us, mate. What an amazing story. It was great chatting to Warren and we wish his family all the best moving forward. If you want to hear more about this story, you can find the recent article in Woman's Day featuring me and the family. And now on to this week's Beach Banter. Welcome to this week's Beach Banter. I thought I'd take the opportunity now we're coming into the summer months and uh, a lot of people coming down to the beaches is talk a bit about water safety and best methods to keep yourself afloat and be able to survive and enjoy the beach. We've been starting a, a campaign with Float to Survive and it's something that we've come up with over the years and I think the messaging we've had out over the years has not been working and what we've created and, and what we've trialled, it seems to be working extremely well. I'll start off with the ocean for listeners that aren't unsure about going into the ocean. We found that floating is one of the best methods when you're caught in a rip. So the way rips work, they don't pull out the sea, that's a, that's a myth. 90% of rips will just pull across onto the sandbank where you can stand up or where the breaking waves are so you can then push yourself back to shore. So the main thing to do is to, to float. So don't use your energy, don't use your arms and, and, and try to swim. The main thing to do is float, stay calm and you survive. So what we've found over the years is people will try and swim against the rip rather than go with the flow of the water. And for some reason where people enter the water, they want to exit. So they end up trying to come back to that exit point where you're pretty much swimming against the rip using a lot of energy and then you tire out. So most people that say they can swim might have 20 strokes, 50 strokes, 100 strokes before they can't swim any further. So once you get to that 50 strokes and you're not standing up, the first thing you're going to do is panic. And when you panic, that builds up lactic acid in your arms, fatigue, you're not sure on, on what's going on. It'd be like putting 50 kilo weights on my arms and putting me in a rip. To stay afloat would be very, very difficult. So that's what we call a silent drowning because silent drownings happen not because the rip pulls you underwater, it's just a flow of water. If you go with that, you'll be quite fine. But because of the lactic acid buildup and the panic, that's what pulls you under. You have no physical strength to stay afloat. You actually can't even yell out to someone for help because you're so fatigued. So the main message that we've been putting forward is to float and stay calm. We've been testing that with people down the beach. We've had kids come down, adults come down, and we've been putting them in the rips, and they've just been floating, doing nothing at all, and just going with the flow of the water. And 90% of the time, they'll just float across onto the sandbank where they can stand up, or if it's high tide, the waves push them back to shore. Now, that's what we learn as a kid, you know, when you go surfing. You get in the rip, the rip helps you go out to where the waves are breaking, so then you can surf the wave back in. So that's something that we've learned as kids, and I think it's the best technique. And what I've seen over the last, you know, two, three years we've been trialling this, it's been very, very effective. Now, not only floating in the ocean works, it also works in dams, lakes, rivers, backyard pools. We've even been training young kids from nine months to 12-month-year-olds to be able to float 
And with 10 by 10 minute lessons, they have learnt to float. And if they sneak off and fall into the backyard pool, they'll be there floating and, and will survive. We even teach them now with shoes, nappies, clothes, everything simulating when a young child will fall into the pool. Now, this has been working extremely well. A lot of kids are picking it up. So there should be three steps there. There should be learn to float once you're successful at that. Then learn to kick your legs or use your arms to dog paddle or, or kick on your back to get back to the side of the pool. And then from that point when you can do that, then start teaching to be able to use your arms and, and swimming up and down the pool. The other thing also is to learn CPR. I think every child, adult should learn CPR. I've heard stories where people have written in and said that from watching Bondi Rescue, they've been able to learn on how to uh, deal with resuscitation. You never know when uh, your parents or your kids or anyone's going to uh, either have a heart attack or get themselves in some situation where they'll need resuscitation. So that's another one that everybody should learn how to do resuscitation. So with this sum up, the uh, main messages are to float and in any waterway you will survive. Also with resuscitation, make sure you get out and learn that and you never know when you will need it. That's it for this week's Beach Banner. Make sure you pass on all the surf safety messages to your family and friends and you'll never know, you may save someone this summer. This week in the mailbag, I've got a letter from Glenn from country New South Wales. Who is the most famous person you've seen at Bondi Beach? Yeah, thanks, uh, Glenn, for that question. It's a good one. Probably the one that stands out is when I was sitting in the beach bike down towards the north end of the beach and minding my own business, looking out, keeping an eye on all the swimmers. And, and someone just sort of sat in the beach buggy next to me and I looked around and sort of had two looks and it was uh, Paris Hilton. She came along. She usually do the walk from uh, the north end of the beach and she'd go out the south end, jump in the car and off she'd go. But she would cause a, a massive commotion on the beach with photographers chasing her and then uh, all the public on the beach. So I ended up getting blocked in in the uh, beach buggy with her in the car. Everyone swarmed around, photographers, beachgoers, everybody trying to get a glimpse of, of Paris. So it was a massive commotion. It's probably one that sticks in my memory. And uh, what a great day that was. That's it for this week on The Mailbag. I enjoy answering all your questions, so keep sending them in and uh, I'll answer as many as I can. You can also go to the website www.surfeducatorsinternational and you will find all the information on how to survive in, in the waterways. Thanks everyone for listening. Remember to subscribe to Life's a Beach wherever you get your podcasts and hit us up with questions, comments, or follow us on our social media channels, which you can find in our show notes. That's it for today, beach fans. Stay safe and swim between the flags.